You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, we're winners. We are. <laughs> this is it. They've turned the corner. We are back in the New York groove, right? Oh, we are back in the New York groove. You know, it's mid-December. You know, the season is lost. We haven't felt victory since leather helmet days, but you know. It was nice for once to come out with a win and not just a win, a pretty, you know, at the end of the day, a pretty dominating win. So, you know, it's not get crazy what it means, but let's just kind of enjoy it for what it is for, you know, everybody who doesn't believe in tanking and, you know, thinks this team should be a playoff team every year or something. Today's your day to celebrate. We've won. And it really does feel pretty good to actually win, regardless of who the opponent is. Yeah, I mean it's it's important to it, it's important to both take this in context and appreciate it for what it is. I mean, yes, they beat the Dolphins, but they beat them kind of the way they should have beaten them. They this game was pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered by the middle of the third quarter, and that's what they should have done. That's what we expect of this team. That's what and and not for nothing, but there are other teams out there that did not lose to the Dolphins that that didn't win over the Dolphins. So, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. This is a very bad Miami team. This is the this is the type of team that should be competing or not competing for the number one overall draft pick. I mean, this this is a team along with your Cincinnati's and your Washingtons that should be three and thirteen due to a lack of talent and you know and or bad coaching or bad direction or whatever. The Giants, if you look at them on paper, are not as bad as this team. I think that kind of bore out on Sunday. Yeah, again, it, it's it's one. It, it, this is not a win to brag about, but this is exactly how it should have went. So it's okay to take solace in the fact that they won the way you expect them to win. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. And and I'm not going to get into the which is better tanking for the draft or whatever. When it comes down to it, when they're playing on Sundays. It's time to win, no matter what. Um, especially from a player standpoint. I mean, players are out there playing for contracts. Marcus Golden is a free agent after this year. He is not laying down for this franchise. He's going out there and trying to record as many sacks as he can. So, and let and let's remember something kind of important that was brought up yesterday. The tiebreaker for draft picks is not head to head, like it is in the playoffs. Tiebreaker for draft picks is strength of schedule. So even though the Giants did beat Miami and they're going to play Washington coming up, whether they win or lose against them directly may or may not impact who drafts second, third, or fourth. So so keep that in mind. So you're not just tanking like, oh, we're playing Miami this week. We need to lose this game. Or Washington next week. We need to lose. It's factored in by strength of schedule is the bigger thing. Yeah, so as long as that win doesn't break a tie, it makes no difference. Right. So, you know, that that is what it is. So, mm-hmm. 
crying and bitching and moaning about that is kind of silly. And, um, you know, again, I'll say this again. You don't know anything about the draft yet. It's too early. You know how I know? Because Chase Young still has games to play and potentially injure himself. You know, there's too much time to be to be worried about things like that. Chase Young has to declare he's coming out for the draft still, yeah, which he has th- not There's done. so much time. Yeah. There's so much time that, you know, it's okay. Well, Obviously, jo- we, we debated the merits of being first overall, third, second, and what the differences are. And that's all still valid. But the point of getting majorly upset over drafting third or fourth or fifth instead of first is kind of silly, especially at this point. Yeah, I mean the Giants have not created their big board yet, and I mean their big board, not what Mel Kiper says or just what a lot of people just kind of scan ESPN and say, oh, why'd you draft this guy six when ESPN said 15th? So all these decisions have to be made, and it comes down to who you draft and how well they perform afterwards. So there's a whole bunch of things. And um, and I'm going to have to steal your line here. There's still free agency. That's right. I always say it too, you know, before we even come up with a board and who they're, what the needs are and how they're going to fill it in with the draft, it's what happens in free agency first. And with the Giants this year have finally have money to play with and hopefully will spend that money, that money wisely, not looking for short term fixes, but the build of a long term foundation for this team. And, and more specifically, it's not the Giants that they finally have money to spend. It's Dave Gettleman finally has money to spend. So, you know, this is kind of an important thing to consider when a com- a common argument is that Dave Gettleman may do pretty well in the draft, but he's not so good at acquiring talent from around the league, specifically free agency. But it's important to note that in free agency, since he's gotten here, his, you know, Number one priority has been clearing cap space because we were up against the wall and not performing. I mean, we were a bad team with no cap room whatsoever. So it was his job right away to dump that. And some of that was talent. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Damon Harrison isn't a good player because he is a very good player and he's worth all the money that he's getting. He just can't get it from us at this time. I mean... And it was Dave Gettleman's job to make all the moves necessary to get rid of these guys. And when you get rid of actual talent, you make more holes on an already bad roster. So now you have to ship in talent from elsewhere the best you can. You're shopping at the bargain bin. So, you know, when you bring up Dave Gettleman's record of signing free agents and say, well, he signed Patrick Omame, you know, um, he, he traded for Alec Ogletree, you have to remember that he... He switched out all five positions on the offensive line. This team already had no linebackers, and he had to get rid of Olivier Vernon. He so, switched out five. He switched out five offensive linemen, which was one of the worst offensive linemen we've lines we've ever seen. And yeah. all of you people were bitching and moaning. You got to rebuild the line, rebuild the line, rebuild the line. So he had to make you know moves that he probably didn't want to spend more than he had to to fix holes. Not to build the, necessarily the line of the future. It was, you know, I'm going to draft my quarterback this year or next year, or I have an Eli Manning who is getting old and can be a statue. I have to save these guys' neck. Yeah. And if it's not built through the draft and at cheaper rates through the draft, 
you have to overspend at valuable positions. So, right, and it's important to note, you know, when you when you start listing out all the uh, the the bad moves that he's made, the quote unquote bad moves, I'll, I'll say the less talented players that he acquired through free agency, all of them were pretty much on short contracts. I mean, they were they were very clearly stopgaps. He didn't sign Antoine Bethea to be the the safety for this team. You know, that's that's going to the Super Bowl. It's it's very clear. And the guys that he did bring in for longer amounts of time, they are in the prime of their career. I mean, you bring in Jabril Peppers. I mean, he was drafted only like two years ago. Kevin Zeitler is is pretty much at prime age right now. Marcus Golden, you know, coming off of injury, got him for cheap, but he is a potential guy to have on for three, four years. The 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 guys that he signed to those contracts, you know, extending Sterling Shepard, getting Golden Tate, you know, those guys, they're all playing well. Marcus those are the Golden. guys that, th- yeah, th- those are the guys that he wants to have on this team. But he didn't have the money to pay for all these, so he, you know. Every move he made couldn't be a splash. So, and, and I'm not sitting here telling you that he's done a perfect job because he certainly hasn't. Um, but I think it's important to keep these in, things in context. Well, name me one GM out there who has done a perfect job. Name me one GM who every single draft pick they picked in the last five years is a starter on this team. Name me one GM or every single free agent they've signed has not only started but has gone on to be a pro bowler. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you, everybody can cherry pick what they want and they don't want. And Dave Gettleman's a very polarizing guy, even before he became the Giants. And it, this is like, you know, I feel like we're arguing with guys in magna hats right now. It's you know, everybody's dug in with a position and are just going to cherry pick the facts of what they believe to further their argument. And you know, you have to factor in two things: what this team was when. Gettleman took over and what is the goal for 2018, 2019, 2020? Are we happy that we're three and 10 or whatever we are in 2019? No. Was our goal in 2019 to make the playoffs? Won't be said in public, but no. So, you know, we can't, we can't keep saying have patience, have patience. You just have to have some common sense and know where you are and what reasonable expectations you have. I think the people that we argue with quite a bit on Twitter just have irrational expectations, partly because they believe coach speak and GM speak. And also partly because it's just been a long time of losing and it's frustration built up. And I get it. I I don't think any of you are stupid for having your opinions that you do. I, th- I think they're no. valid. And I think that Dave Gettleman is a person that is hard to trust and hard to um, hard to get behind. When he makes some decisions, I, I I get it. You're not you're not silly for your your position, but it is important to take a step back and take a breather, and realize what the goal is for each year. And now going into next year, he has some money to spend, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's spent on some young players with some real promising talent. But I think the thing Grump is why people don't trust Gettleman. What's that reason? Is the reason people don't trust Gettleman? Is because he cut players and pe- and players after they got cut bitched and moaned about how they were treated. Is that why you don't trust him, or is it, or is it because of the the, co- the coach speak, or is you just because you believe when they said 
you know, we are going to try to make the playoffs. We think Eli has years ahead of him. You buy that shit and believe it when everybody knows none of that is true. So if those are the reasons why you don't trust him, you're going to have a hard time trusting anybody who comes in here. I think it's both, but more so on the on the first thing where the players, you know, he, he cut some players that left some bad taste in their mouth. It's It's not necessarily specifically that, but that his reputation around the league is not very good. Um, and, and that worries people, especially when you hear stories of Landon Collins throwing a fit when he found out he wasn't staying with the Giants. You know, that kind of sentiment, because no one will ever know what discussion was or was not had with those players, only that they were upset when they left, and that seems to be a common trend with this man. And I get that. I understand that. And And for people on the outside who are now watching a team flounder and not perform – uh, while also believing that he's setting this team up for the playoffs, seeing that news and then continuing to lose, it just – it all meshes together into one big meatball of, you know, bad bad, bad – one bad-tasting meatball. Yeah. And again, there's nothing you can do about it during a regular season. You know, there's no – you know, there's no waiver wire you can pick up guys, you know, that are ready to play. There's no making, you know, significant trades during a regular season. There's no all of a sudden magic wand and you're getting guys from the minor leagues or whatever. I mean, in football, more than any of the other major sports, when you come out of week one, that's pretty much your team. There's rare exceptions for guys becoming available, but for the majority, this, this is your team. And why is this all important? This is all important because I don't think this has anything to do with the game uh, yesterday, but I think that there's a 95% chance that Dave Gettleman comes back next year. I don't care what reports came out that his seat is red hot or whatever. Perhaps if they had lost this game in an embarrassing fashion, perhaps there's a chance that he has a, you know, there's a chance that he's not back next year, but I think that this is all part of, and this was all explained by Dave Gettleman to his superiors that this is going to take some time. I'm going to need a whole year just to clear some cap, and then I'm going to have to start over. And it, it's things are going to look bad before they look good, but you've got to give me at least that much time, or no GM can do what you want. And I, I, I truly believe that because they didn't lose in embarrassing fashion to the Dolphins, this solidifies that he is coming back. I don't think any organization worth their salt, especially a team like the giants that kind of prides themselves on not making, you know, rapid changes and and things like that is not going to evaluate a GM or make a decision on a GM on any one game. I don't think they'll even do that for any coach. When you hear, you know, this game could save his job or he could lose his job. No, it's based upon your body of work over, a season or how long you've been there. So yes, I don't, I don't think, think this, I don't think this game saved his job, but I think when you, if, if, if this were an embarrassing loss, let's say that we lost, a, you know, 40 to, to 13 in this game. Okay. Let's just pretend. Now you add that into this season. It's not being judged individually. It is now being like, wow, this, this is, this is really not going well. I think that actually affects his chances of coming back. And again, I'm not saying it would seal his fate as not coming back. But it, it, I agree with you. One individual game is not going to do it. But but what? But what if he has a plan that he's you know 
talk to ownership about and saying, year one, I'm doing this, year two, I'm doing that. How does the result of, well, they, they got blown up by Miami change what the, those goals were and what the target was or anything. It's not like coaching where coaching is just like, you know, that game was lost because, you know, a continued pattern of not maximizing your players, bad play calling, bad clock management, all the little things that we've seen where, you know, a GM, your job is pretty much done when the season starts. There's not really much you're really doing to impact the field from September to now. So I agree with you, but what I'm saying is now you're adding in this to the rest of the season when if this is the icing on the cake of the season as we're now in week 15 and they get embarrassed to one of the worst teams in the league, one that we could argue before the season even started were tanking or attempting to tank and they get embarrassed at home, then it starts to become there's no way that in year two this should be the worst team in the league. No matter what you told us, you know, there's, yeah. there is a, there is some measurement of, I know it's supposed to look, you know, worse before it looks better, but this is too bad. You are clearly not doing enough. You know what I mean? And, and I'm but, not but saying it's totally can, rational, there's nothing, but there's nothing he can do during the season. That's my point. It's just, but he know, should have part- said the, the, the idea is that a team that is actively trying to tank before the season should lose to a team that is actively trying to get better at the beginning of the season. Yeah, well, again, we we don't we'll never know what those conversations are inside, sure. and you know something. It might be just exactly like, you know, in the deepest, darkest bowels of the uh, the Timex Center or wherever it's called now, they may have had a conversation. He says, "I think this team probably is going to win about four games." I mean, we're completely turning over the roster, getting rid of our better talent. We're going to use a rookie quarterback. We we you know, it gets worse because of injuries and attrition for that. I mean. I, I just don't – there's nothing – again, there's nothing a GM can do really during the season to turn that tide, whereas coaching, yes, things can be made. You can you can work with the roster. You have to make things better. You can try different things, and that's why I, I just – you are what you are. If they, if It's more of a we don't think that this rebuild is happening fast enough from year two to year three or to year four, but not from – week six to week 13 is because nothing can happen. That said, I still don't think that this game has any benefit, any, any bearing on what happens to Pat Shermer at the end of the season, win or loss. Um, That decision, we agree uh, that was made probably, I don't know, three weeks ago at at, at the, I, I guess at the, probably at the earliest yeah, I mean, they made a decision, a organizational decision. We are going to start Daniel Jones, and I think really when you start that decision, the head coach gets a lot more slack. Yes, over over wins and losses, but you can still evaluate how you are losing. Where it's the not development a, of talent as well. Well, yeah, I mean, develop. I think it's a fifty fifty thing almost. How you are developing your talent and actually how you are coaching even though where the barometer may not be wins losses you know we know this team's behind the eight ball with the you know the talent in flux they have a rookie quarterback the injuries blah 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 but when you're losing games the way you are losing and you can question if the talent's being fully developed there's a pattern of it on this team and you know 
having Eli Manning play in a game like this increases your chances to win in 2019. It doesn't help, you know, the overall development of this team going forward. But in 2019, right now, more of the playbook is available to Eli Manning. Much more of the game experience and the ability to check down and to see things that a rookie quarterback won't are available to him. So you're winning a game today, but it doesn't really mean anything because it was kind of like a stopgap. So I, so I, to me, it's just, you know, I, I think the fate's been sealed. And it doesn't matter if they win this game. It doesn't matter if they beat Washington. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter if they beat Philly at the, at the end of the year either. I think, I think they've made the decision they're going to move on with this guy. And it, it doesn't make any sense to do it right now. Oh, exactly. And especially, I actually saw especially with oh. Jones out too. Well, and also especially who who the interim head coach is gonna be. Somebody actually in all honest in all honesty suggested Mike Shula. And I, I don't think you could pick I don't know if you could pick a worse coach candidate in the league. Well, I mean he he was a head coach at Alabama, so it's not like he doesn't have any head coaching experience at all. But we all believe from the outside looking in that his impact on the offense is reduced to player development. I mean, he's not it's calling strictly plays. Daniel Jones development. Right, right. He's not calling plays. This is not a Mike Schuler offense. He is, you know, he's working with the quarterback. So to go from a skill position kind of position coach and really a player, individual player coach to Head coach makes zero sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so speaking of Eli, since we, we just had a whole conversation about what playing him means, I thought it was really fitting that he played a very Eli Manning game, didn't he? He went 20 of 28 for 283 yards in, in some pretty extreme wind, I got to say, for, for two touchdowns and three picks. It's the exact same game if he would have played it in week two, the national media and a large part of this fan base would have been like, time to turn the page. Bring in Daniel Jones. Now what are they doing? He's getting the full Patrick Ewing treatment, the <laughs> Eli Manning chance, the standing ovations. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve the standing ovations and the Eli Manning chance. Those are a testament to a career, a career that brought us two Super Bowl wins, most likely will be a Hall of Famer, if not a first balloter, certainly soon enough. Uh, that's what this is for. Anybody who thinks, well, maybe we should keep Eli in because they won or the offense looks better with him. You need to get your head examined. You're a hypocrite, most likely, and you don't have your priorities on correctly. Yeah, Eli has taken some very, um, very deserved flack over the years. So, you know, we can we can stand and clap and cheer him off the field and then just kind of just leave it at that, will you? I mean, just classy, let him... Classy move by Shermer, by the way, from letting him uh, um, get subbed in so we can get a chance to get one last, um, you know, standing ovation. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that was really nice. Interesting call having Alex Tenney throw a pass, though. I don't know how I felt about that. This um, is a team that has absolutely no clue what they're doing and no rhyme or reason for anything, so nothing surprises me. Yeah. Um... I want to do some stars from this game, and and the reason why is because I thought that there were some very important 
um, players that played well in this game, and they, they were they were players that I think needed to to play well to give this fan base some encouragement because I don't care what any of you say, none of you were were pissing and moaning that they won this game and potentially screwed up draft order stuff. Everybody at that stadium was in a good mood, all of them, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. So I I have to. I, I, just some people that I'm gonna throw down. It was I think it was important for the fans to see Saquon Barkley go off, and he he really did. But he looked like the player we saw last year. This year it has been many weeks, and I think a lot of people were suddenly wondering if we screwed up, or if he's just yeah. an average back, or maybe maybe he'll never get back to the way he was. He went on 24 carries, 112 yards, and then another 31 yards on four catches. Uh, with with two touchdowns and they were walk-ins. Um, to me, to me, Grump, it wasn't the numbers that impressed me. It was just the way for the he first looked. time the way he looked. He looked like he had, you know, the quickness. He looked like he had some power. He looked like he had potential breakaway speed. So that's what's important to me is like getting back to what he was. And, now, and quite frankly, if- I think it was good for him. I think it was important to him to have a game like this. Because I think he had admitted that while looking at his film that like some of his injury lingering was psychological, afraid to make cuts and, and lean on his leg. And I think it was good for him to have a good game stat-wise and, and feel good doing it. I think that was – you know, it's kind of like getting back in, in the car after a car accident. I'm pretty sure I've used this analogy before. If you've ever gotten to your first car accident, it's important to drive again or else you'll – if you wait too long – You'll be too scared behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that that was, uh, you know, a player who played like a star. Uh, that it was important that he did. And another one was Sam Beal. Sam Beal played like a starting cornerback in this league. He looked like he belonged out there. He had an excellent play on the sack. I think overall he's a very good tackler, um, which is something that corners are not always known for, especially a thin, wiry guy like him. He looked good in coverage. Miami, for all their tanking, have two very, very good wide receivers. Um, so this is – and, and Fitzpatrick will put the ball where it needs to be, and I'll clown on him all day, but he's not by any means a, a, a garbage piece of shit quarterback. Um, <laughs> I, I, I thought he stood up really well in this game, and it was important, I think, for both him – you know, again, this is another guy who's who's – had injuries, couldn't really break the starting lineup after being activated off of IR in his second year with the team. It was important for him to go out there and play well, and I think it was important for Giants fans to see him play well because it gives some hope that that wasn't a bust move as well. But perhaps. I'm not saying that he is or isn't a bust. I'm just saying seeing that is important. Just seeing development is what we need to see. You know, no one game will def- – is the definitive answer in any of these guys. They're too young. They're too raw. Right. They need to play. And if we're going to start, you know, every week going through the individual bust or not bust for each player and then roll that up into every single game, Gettleman, bad job drafting, good job, free agency. First of all, it's, it, it's way too small sample size. And second of all, it's just a very boring conversation because it doesn't mean anything. They're players are not being evaluated by their coach and their general manager based on one game. The general manager and the coach are not being evaluated by the owners based on one game. 
So us as fans should not be making these state of the program, you know, announcements based upon the last thing they've seen. You sound like hot take artists. You should be yeah. on with uh, Skip Bayless if you do that. In which case, I will never see you because it's one of the, like <laughs> three people I've blocked on Twitter. Um, and I thought it was important for fans to see Sterling Shepard um, play very well. And it, I think partly because he got a big contract and then also partly because he had quite a quite a serious injury scare for most of the year um, with the concussions. You know, he came in here, he played played another full game, and he looked really good doing it. Nine catches for 111 yards on 11 targets was one of them was a was a stupid drop on his part too. I think if he had a little bit better concentration, um, these numbers would be even better. But he played very well, and again, these are things that I think are important for Giants fans to see and and think about next year. I, I know that fans were shuddering thinking about the big contract extension he signed while he was out for. Well, it was like a whole month with concussions, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, you know, I thought it was important that certain guys stepped up and, and they really did play very well and looked like they belonged and that this team isn't totally lost going into yeah. next year. And I don't want to hear, well, it was Miami either. I mean, Miami is an NFL team. You know, you have to beat your man and you have to execute and you have to have the right technique. All those things too, or else you're going to lose a one-on-one battle against somebody across from you, even if the team is not good. Well, again, again, my argument is is pretty simply when when you say that. Well, I mean, it's Miami. It's like, okay, well, what would you have liked Sterling Shepard to have? 195 yards against Miami? I mean, come on, this yeah. is what when when you're like, what do you expect from Sterling Shepard today? If you said nine catches on 11 targets for 110 yards, I'd say that's fair, and that's what he got. Yeah. So, I mean, you can say, oh, it's just Miami. It's like, yeah, well, he did exactly what you'd expect him to do. That's, right. That's, that's, what are you complaining about? How was that not good enough suddenly? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> I don't see anybody else in the league all sitting in 240 yards, you know, every week against this team. Yeah. It felt good for me as a person to witness a win. Not just a win, but it, it seemed, like I said, signed, sealed, and delivered by middle of the third quarter. It was really just kind of like cold at that point. Um, Oof, it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a little tip for all you Giant fans. When you wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning, open up your weather app. You see at 1 o'clock it says 45 degrees. That doesn't mean 45 degrees in East Rutherford is what you think 45 degrees is. Factor in wind chill. Don't yeah. be a dumbass like the cranky fan who decided, I don't need a jacket for 45 degrees. It's a little public service out, out, out there. Yeah. I uh, when I finally got home, I, I went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror as I was washing my hands and realized I had boogers frozen to my nose. On the outside, so it it was pretty cold. That's enough to make me sick. Thank yeah, you. Well, you know, whatever, man. It was um, cold. <laughs> one other uh, thing I think we should probably break, you know, bring up a little bit, even though if it's pretty obvious, I know what you're going to say is that uh, Daniel Jones is cleared to play next week. He's starting, right? I mean, I think so. I, mean, I I do think he's legitimately injured, though, so there's always a chance of a setback, but I think the plan is yes. Daniel I'm talking Jones about, if he, it, yeah, if he's ready to go. I'm a little yeah. bit of a hypothetical, but if uh, he's clear to play and he's ready to play. If my understanding, and we were we were drinking, so we weren't 
paying attention. <laughs> we weren't we weren't at our seats, is what I'm saying, watching warm ups or anything. We were in the in the Jameson room, but my understanding is that he was doing warm ups on the field even though he was ruled out. So he was in shorts and and a and a hoodie, and he was out there moving around and throwing. So I I think yes, I think that if this were a playoff contending team this year, I think that he probably played. He would have played this game. To be honest with you, if this is a playoff contending team, yeah. If if we were, if we were, yeah. If we were in the hunt for a wild card spot, I think he probably was was probably injury free enough to have played this game. If we were a, a playoff contending team, he would not, not have been in the, in the game this year, and Eli would have been playing. Well, that's not at all the hypothetical I'm trying to paint. Just pretend yeah. Eli. The, the point is, I think injury wise, I think he could have played this game if it were necessary. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. My whole point of this question is, you know, exactly what this team is right now. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Well, I, that's I, a different I, story. Yeah. Yeah, I'm building to the question of. Is Pat Shermer that concerned about his job that wins are that important to him that he would stick with Eli Manning because he feels at this moment there's a better – is he going with the Eli would give us a better chance to win so I'm playing him or the development of Daniel Jones is more important. I'm, we're going back to him. What do you think well, he would say? It's obvious. I know exactly what I would say if I was a coach, but what do you think is going through Shermer's mind? Well, what's going through his mind may not be what he says. Ultimately, if he's getting fired, he could give a shit about Daniel Jones' development. And I'm not saying that, like, he would play Eli for the win. I'm saying, why would he care about the development of a player on a team he's not going to coach next year? Do you think um, Pat Summer thinks he's going to be fired right now? Yeah, I probably. Do you don't think he thinks he's going to think- get fired? Yes, I think coaches are the last people to know they are the ones getting fired. I think because you're so wrapped up in the minutia of everything that goes on with a team that I don't sure. think they I don't think they sit around and worry about winning streaks and losing streaks and what, you know, this writer is saying. Like I I don't know if they're I mean they may cursory know what the noise is out there, but they don't think they know the extent of it and how much. I th- I think they're just doing their job. This is a a 90 hour week job. So that's fair, but I mean, but my, my, my point is though, do you think that he's so locked into his job that he is still in 100% development mode for building yes. this for the long term? Yeah. Or do you think he's like, I got to get a couple of wins just for no. perception stake? Yeah, I don't, job. I don't think that's part of his mind frame right now is I'm going to save my job with some wins. So let's go with Eli. I think he is doing his job and his job was to move this kid along. I I think I agree with you too. So I would be again. I don't know shit. I've never met Pat Shermer. I don't know what he could possibly be thinking. I'm just that's that's what I would be thinking at this point. Yeah, I mean there are owners out there, and Jerry Jones is an example. You know, Al Davis was an example where they put the public pressure on. This is an important game for the coach. You know, we haven't heard that publicly at all from giant ownership and I really doubt they'd said that behind closed doors as well. So yeah, I agree. unless you unless some coaches will specifically coach for the win because they know, you know, they were told point blank by their superiors, you gotta win this game. So I don't think he's getting that. So I think he's doing what we, we both think. I think, you know, if Daniel Jones is ready to play, I don't think they're gonna rush him back. I think it's if he's ready no. to play, he will play. Yeah, exactly. How do, how do you think the fan base 
will handle that. I think they expect it. I think I think that for the most part, from what I've seen on the uh, the the not representative of the entire fan base Twitter, you know, um, I think everybody is kind of like Eli got his home win. That's fine. Let's you know. Let's let's not let him screw this up, or, or let's not ruin that that image in my mind. We'll just play Jones, let him continue because it's like a passing the torch moment, and I, I think fans are more wrapped up in that sort of sentimental thing than. Uh, That's interesting. I wasn't I wasn't even going down that angle. I was thinking that the fan base, the ones that are a little delusional, were like there are some. Yeah, I I think. We have a better chance to win with – it's more of that we have a better chance to win right now than Eli than the – I think Daniel Jones is a bust and bench him because he sucks. Agree. I don't, think, I don't think anybody's really thinking that. I think it's more of a I just want to win. Um, I work with somebody who's been a season ticket holder for longer than I have, has you know pretty decent seats, and to her credit – I mean her opinion is that I just want to win. I want to win every week. I want to do every, and it doesn't matter about you know. I want Eli to, you know, Eli should have been playing all year because they wouldn't be with two wins. Or you know, as we talked before, if Eli was the quarterback, and that's that's an opinion a lot of Giant fans have, especially the ones like you mentioned earlier, who are sick of losing. Yeah. I mean. It's a very tough spot to be in as a fan. The the frustration, but trying to keep your eye on the prize, keeping realistic expectations and your eye on the prize for what's happening and what's to be done in the best interest of this team. Any second that Daniel Jones is sitting when he's capable of playing, so Eli Manning plays for be it his last hurrah, that chance to win a meaningless game hurts the long-term development of this team. And to your point, Pat Shermer's the only thing he hang his hat on is developing this team for the future. So, and that's that's a perfect segue into next week at one o'clock. The Giants will be at the Washington Redskins in what is it, Landover, Landover, Maryland? Yeah, in Landover, correct. FedEx, the, the rapidly shrinking size FedEx Field. They keep removing seats for quote unquote party zones when it's really they can't fill up anymore up top. Yeah. Yeah, at at one o'clock. So another another nice early game for you guys. You can continue your holiday shopping after the game if you want. Wrap some presents. Yeah. Um, you know, and hopefully, hopefully you can do it with a little bit of a uh, holiday cheer, and uh, in, in your in your heart, in your face, in your glass after a Giants win again next week. And again, I say this because while watching the game, nothing will make me bah humbug more than a fucking loss. I can take solace in draft position, but I will not be happy about that. Yeah, I, I, I will. If we do lose, I will not have. I will have no. I'll have no emotion. I will have like a, just the blood drain from my face of. Right, next week, we're kind of the Bill Belichick. We're on to Cincinnati kind of opinion. Like, all right, we'll move on. Yeah, it affects me a little bit. I I can't shake yeah. it that quickly. Yeah, I I I just been kind of so. Not zoned out, but just kind of desensitized to the winning and losing because this this season has been so bad that it's just I'm really just looking forward to turning the page on what's the next step in the development of this team. But I will say one thing though: 
as we stand here in December 2019, would you rather be the New York Giants or the Washington Redskins moving forward? I think the Redskins are about a year behind where we are. If if they do things right, which the re- I'm not saying that the Giants have, but simply that Washington hasn't done anything right in a while. Um, I would rather be the Giants right now. I, I yeah. do think that there's plenty to look forward to with this team. It's not perfect. It's not everything the way I would have done it. But there's a roadmap for this. There's a roadmap yeah. for this team in a couple of years to be competitive. And if it's done correctly, yeah. and it may not be a straight line up, it may be some zigzagging along. Washington is kind of the NFL equivalent of the Knicks right now, where bad ownership, bad hires, you know, just, you know, it's just a mess. You know, they still have to find a head coach. You know, yeah. they sticking, they're sticking with a GM who's, you know, run this team into the ground far too long. You know, a, a quarterback who they drafted very high and it's very to be determined if he's the long-term answer or not. So I think I'd rather beat the Giants as well. You know, it's the bar is very low for who you want to pick for this. But uh, I see more of a long-term roadmap with the Giants than I do with the Redskins. Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I hope that I would rather be the Giants than the Redskins next week at 1 o'clock when they're playing because I hope that the Giants are beating the shit out of them. It's a division game. I can't let it go lightly. So um, all of my lead-up to that preview episode on on Friday morning for you guys can be found on Twitter and I am at football underscore grump where I'm fairly active if anybody followed me after the game I, I kind of went through and rewatched the Dolphin game like as soon as I got home and uh, rifled through some stuff there and you know I, I think it was it was kind of nice a lot of people really kind of responded to some of the things I was saying it was cool I, I do appreciate all that and I try to reach out uh, back to you guys yeah it's been a lot of fun this year interacting with you guys and you know we love our old favorites who always every week, you know, chat. So we love new people coming in. Even if you have takes that are out of left field, we will, uh, we won't insult you unless you insult us first, but, uh, we will, we will engage for sure. And love to hear what you guys are saying. And, uh, you can find me as always at the cranky fan. Um, I am in the middle of Christmas party, Christmas dinner celebration time. I had a, Delicious meal tonight at the old homestead. Anybody who's been there in the West Village knows it's a fantastic steakhouse. And uh, we're still coming off our big Valari dinner from Saturday. So the Cranky Fan is getting very large in the stomach right now. I could be an offensive lineman pretty soon. So these episodes may have a tinge of alcohol in them for me. So (laughs) I hope you enjoy that. But uh, if you want to talk New York Giants, Florida Gators, Tampa Bay Rays, Tampa Bay Lightning – Anything else, you know where to find me on the Twitter machine at the Cranky Fan. And as always, the show can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. It's there. It's also got a Twitter at Just Giants Pod. Um, please give us a five star review. Recommend us to friends. You know, you have holidays, parties coming up, and you start talking sports and the future of this team. Mention our uh, mention our podcast. I'd, we'd love to get more listeners, more people interacting with us. It's fun. Okay. Get your chestnuts over an open fire and, you know, pop on your favorite uh, podcast app and play us for the whole family. Gather around. You know, there's nothing, no tradition better than you know, different generations of Giants fans listening to Grump and the Cranky Fan talk about the Giants. Ah, yes. 
All right, everyone. We hope to see you later this week, Friday morning. I hope you're listening. Uh, go Giants. Go Giants.